The two witnesses might be the most mysterious characters in the entire Bible. Learn about their vital role on the world scene in the near future. Next, on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. In chapter 11 of the book of Revelation in your Bible, it discusses and explains the two witnesses, and probably just about everybody has been exposed to somebody who thought they were one of the two witnesses. I certainly have been. And yet, if you look at the time element there's a, that happens in the future, it, the mission has not been even assigned to them yet. So it's for a time in the future, but they give God's warning at that time and have all this supernatural power and are used in a mighty way by God to deliver a message. And then after that message is delivered, then the, uh, there is a beast, quote unquote, that uh, kills them and puts them to death. So it's a very difficult job, and you can uh, read about that in Revelation chapters 13 and 17, chapters 2 and 7 in Daniel. After these two witnesses, then comes the last woe, or the seventh trumpet, and the two witnesses go through something that is really spectacular, right before the eyes of all their enemies. Now, if you look back when the book of Revelation was actually given, it was a mysterious and a closed book. That's what it was. And it uh, was sealed with seven seals. Daniel talks about something very similar, and actually the same prophecy in, uh, the, in these verses I'll mention. But uh, Daniel talks about his book being closed and sealed till the time of the end. And the Moffat translation renders, till the crisis at the close till the crisis at the close, a world crisis at the close. Now, that is the time we're living in right now. And you can understand, Daniel, because it is the end time. And you can understand Revelation because it is the end time. And that's what we need to understand. I'm telling you, this is the time when God's servants have to deliver a a mind splitting message to this world. It's not something that we want to take lightly, of course. If you look at the word revelation, just it's an English word and it was translated from the original Greek word apocalypse. You know what apocalypse means? It just means the, uh, the revealing, not hiding or sealing or displaying. Uh, Putting it where you can't see it, but it's it's actually a revealing. Now, in the beginning, it was sealed, but how did it become unsealed? Well, Jesus Christ said that He would do that, and He did do that. And uh, if you look at the Revelation five uh, chapter, it uh, talks about the Lion of the tribe of Judah unseals all of it. And He has done that. That's Christ. And He's he's unsealed it. But there is no man 
in heaven or earth or any place else that could ever reveal this book. That's where the problem is. A lot of men try to interpret this Bible, but they cannot. It has to be unsealed by Jesus Christ Himself. The, the Greek word for revelation just means revealing or opening up or unfolding. God wants us to understand this book, and especially in this end time, because 90% of the prophecies in the book are fulfilled, well, even more than that in that book, but 95% of the prophecies overall are fulfilled in this end time. If you look at the revealing of the two witnesses, which is what I want to talk to you about today, you'll find that they are connected to the little book of Revelation 10. We have a booklet about the little book that we'll send you if, if you don't have it, and it will explain all of that to you. You see that the two witnesses are coming into contact with the beast power, a, a frightening power on the world scene at that time. And also you'll see that the, the two witnesses come from a split in God's own church, if you can imagine that. And then uh, one more point, uh, the, the uh, two witnesses lead directly into the seventh trumpet, or the last woe, or the third woe. And I'll just put this chart on the screen, but uh, the story flow of the book of Revelation is this. Seals, the seven seals cover the whole prophecy. Number one seal, false prophets. Number two, war, famine, pestilence, tribulation. Number six, heavenly signs. Number seven, trumpets. You have seven trumpets of this last seal. And then you have the, uh, well, the uh, last three of those are called woes also. Uh, first woe, second woe, and the third woe, which is the seven last plagues. So that would also be the fifth and sixth and seventh trumpet. So at the end of the second woe, then the two witnesses go from the scene, and Jesus Christ returns, and with His holy angels, He returns with them in the presence of those seven plagues. Now this is a time when God expresses His great wrath because of the sins of our people. And that certainly includes America and Britain and the Jewish nation in the Middle East. But look at verse 10 of Revelation 1. The theme is the day of the Lord. That's what this verse is about. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet." A trumpet, that's about an alarm of war. That's what it's about. But there are some people who interpret this as being a day of the week, like a day of the Lord, like it, maybe John wrote it on Saturday or Sunday, but it has nothing to do with a day of the week. You can read 30 prophecies in your Bible, and it talks about this day of the Lord being the great and terrible day of the Lord. Terrible day. Something that all of us should be aware of and concerned about. These are fearful prophecies, but with the best news you could possibly hear at their conclusion. 
Now, over 1900 years ago, John was carried forward and, picked, and, and saw in vision exactly what is happening today and what is leading into the day of the Lord. He saw all of that. That's what the day of the Lord is all about. The day of the Lord follows the Great Tribulation, and then, of course, uh, the day of the Lord comes, and Jesus Christ Himself comes at the last trump, that seventh trump, or trumpet, in the uh, last seal. So these, we have booklets that we'll give you that will explain all of this to you. Now, in chapter 9, it talks about the fifth angel sounded, and this is the first woe. And then verse 12 of chapter 9 in Revelation, it reads, One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And then it goes on to talk about the second woe. And here in verse 16 of chapter 9, it talks about, In the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand. And I heard the number of them. That means a two hundred million man army from Russia and China, and that is a part of the second woe. Before the second woe was over, there's an inset here about the little book. It, uh, it, it relates to the two witnesses. And we need to realize that uh, this little book is very important because it's right in the middle of those three woes or the three last trumpet plagues, really, or the three last trumpets, and then the last trumpet, of course, has uh, those seven plagues. But notice what it says in uh, chapter 10 of Revelation in verse 1, And I saw another mighty angel, and it talks about him having the face as it, if it were the sun. In verse 2, And he had in his hand a little book. And then on down in verse 6, it talks about, well, there's going to be no more delay. That time no longer should read, no more delay. We're in a time when events are racing along as we've never seen them before. And that's because of this prophecy. God says that that time is coming. It's here now. Just two years ago, you can't even imagine how different it was in America and Britain and the Jewish nation especially, those three nations. God singles them out because they are the birthright nations and the scepter nation. He's given them great honor, and He's not pleased with how they've handled their responsibilities. Not at all. But everything is racing along. And then verse 9 talks about the little book. Verse 10 talks about the little book. And then verse 11 says you have to prophesy again. Well, why do God's people have to prophesy again? Well, because of a church split. And that's a sad time in God's own church. Notice verse 1 of chapter 11. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months, or three and one half years. But some, most of God's people are put in the outer court because they've become lukewarm, ninety-five percent of them. 
Now, if there's an outer court, we know there's an inner court. What, what, what sets them apart? Well, in the inner court is Christ's presence and God's presence. They are in that inner court, that Holy of Holies. And that's where all of God's people should be, but 95% of them have just turned away from that and have become the Laodicean era. But now notice it talks about the two witnesses right after these two verses. Revelation 11 and verses 3 and 4. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth, or three and one half years. Verse 4 These are the two olive trees, and the two lamps that should read, candlesticks really should be lamps, standing before the God of the earth. So here you have. Two lamps. They bring light to this world, but the world doesn't see it that way. They want to kill them, and do eventually. Verse 5 And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. I mean, that's real power that God has given them. Why does He give them all that power? Well, notice verse 6. These have the power to shut heaven, and that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues, as often as they will. But notice verse 7. Here's why God gives them that power. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them, and kill them. Now, you see, the two witnesses have all this power. Why did God give them all this power? Because they have to finish His work and get this message out to the world. And He gives them all this power. And then after they finish their work, God lets them kill the two witnesses. Now, you can see the importance of God's message, but God says that if He opens a door, no man can shut it, no army can shut it, no army of two hundred million or ten of those uh, armies could ever shut a door if God says He's going to open it and keep it open. That's the power God gives His people if they obey Him, if they do His work. That is what He does for them and gives them great honor. But here, you, if you would go on, we'll see that these uh, uh, will enter the time of those last plagues, the last seven plagues, and, and they all occur as Jesus Christ and the holy angels and, and His saints are returning with Him. Quite a majestic time in this world when that royalty comes to this earth. But God at this time is full of wrath because of His people and what they're doing. Verse 8, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified, that's Jerusalem, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not permit their dead bodies to be put in graves. Well, now, isn't that amazing? Here they, the enemies see those dead bodies, and they want them to stay out there. They want everybody to see that those, those enemies 
of the people around them are uh, going to celebrate this. They're going to rejoice in it because they were tormented by those two witnesses. And now they have them killed. Now God allows that because He has another reason for them uh, or the two witnesses that the world does not see. Verse 10, And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt upon the earth. And after three days and a half the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them." Now that's pretty spectacular. They were certainly tormenting them, and so they killed them and left them there three and a half days, and then God just rose them up in the clouds and took them to Him, and will bring them back to this earth to help put down all of the rebellion against God. That's what your Bible says. But this is a dreadful fear that they're going to have. They're going to see this has to be of God. Surely many of them will have to see that somewhat, you would think. But God is a God of judgment, and He's going to judge this world. And notice the good news, though. Verse 12, And they heard a great voice from heaven, saying, Unto them, Come up here. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them." So that's where the two witnesses, two witnesses leave the scene. Verse 13, In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand. And the remnant were affrighted, and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. So the two witnesses disappear just at the end of the second woe, or the sixth trumpet. And then, and then what happens? Behold, the third woe comes quickly. That's verse 14. Verse 15, And the seventh angel sounded. This is the last trumpet we're talking about here, and the, and the last seventh part of it. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Can you imagine that? See, right after those two witnesses, Jesus Christ returns to this earth and, and takes the reins of rule and rules this earth and the universe forever, and there will be nothing but peace and abundance and joy. What a, what a future we have before us! But when you're talking about this seventh trumpet, or third woe, I mean, after all, those trumpets are just filled with woe, woe, woe! It is something never, ever that has happened on this earth. Woe! And it, all, it is that last woe is the wrath of God Himself, because He's so wrathful toward these nations and those nations of Israel who've had all the blessings and have not been carrying out their responsibilities that God has given them along, given them along with those messages and uh, or those uh, great blessings He gave them. They have not carried out their responsibility. And then uh, 
in Revelation 14 and verse 10, I'll read that to you quickly. Uh, it says that these seven last plagues are to be poured out in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. That's Jesus Christ. And then at that, that time, these mortal saints of God are going to, going to become immortal and share the very throne of David with Jesus Christ as His bride. They're going to be right there ruling with Him as spirit beings and help Him rule the earth and bring the rest of humanity into His family if they want to be there. So you can see our chart again, and we'll send you a copy of that along with the booklets that we have that will explain all that. But just think about this. This is Christ's literal body coming back to this earth, and He's about to rule it. Now, this is just there are just a hundred prophecies about this in the Bible. And why don't people discuss it more? Why don't ministers talk about it more if they talk about it at all? Which is usually the case. But what a glorious ending! And this is reality. This is reality that we're talking about here. And let me just go back and read those verses that lead into the two witnesses. Revelation 11 and verse 1 says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angels stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without, there's an outer court, and there's an inner court. Well, who who is going to be presiding in that inner court? God the Father and Jesus Christ. The presence of God is in that inner court, but not the outer court. And that's where most of His people are right now, and 50% of them are going to repent. 50% of them will never repent. That's what your, the prophecy says. That's a terrible tragedy, and frankly, it's the worst tragedy on this earth. The very worst. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. That's the great tribulation, the times of the Gentiles. It's not the times of Israel now, it's the times of the Gentiles. And the holy city, that is Jerusalem, shall they tread underfoot forty and two months, three and one half years. Now, these are certainly sobering prophecies. Who, who can uh, uh, disagree with that? Sobering prophecies. And it, they're just an abundance of prophecies like this, and yet people generally know very little about them. Notice verses 3 and 4, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. They're humble people. They have to be to serve God. They just obey God, and they're submissive to God, and just do what He says because they love Him, and they love His way of life that gives them abundant joy and happiness and materialism and everything else that men really do need. And God wants to give it to them, and He will very shortly to He'll give it to everybody. But it says, 
that uh, these are the two olive trees and the two lamps standing before the God of the earth. The two lamps. Think about that. They're going to become the very bride of Jesus Christ. They're going to share the throne of David with Christ forever, ruling over the earth and then the universe, and forever and ever and ever, and they're going to beautify the earth, and they're going to make it blossom like a rose, and they're going to beautify the universe and make it look like the Garden of Eden when God started all of this with Adam and Eve. What a wonderful, wonderful prophecy it is. And he says that his wife has made herself ready. Those people called out and used by God today and give themselves to God and do His work are going to be His bride very shortly because they've prepared themselves. They've got themselves ready to do His work in the future. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. The two witnesses might be the most mysterious characters in the entire Bible. Learn about their vital role on the world scene in the near future. The two witnesses will deliver a powerful warning to the world and be martyrs for God, but God watches over them and will reward them greatly. They're just a small part of the intense timeline of world events leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. Request our free booklet, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, to learn about another key segment of this terrifying timeline. We should already hear and intently fear the galloping hoofbeats of the four horsemen. They're racing toward us at this very moment. And here is the most terrifying truth of all. God's own people are going to be devastated more than anyone else. Also request our free booklet, Who or What is the Prophetic Beast? Why don't most ministers talk more about the prophetic beast? This understanding is vitally important. It's the only way to know which nations will rise to power and afflict the world in this end time, a clear sign that Christ's return is near. You will also receive a free copy of our reprint article, The Seven Seals of Revelation Have Been Opened. The biblical book of Revelation can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. You can know the meanings and significance of the two witnesses, four horsemen, prophetic beast, seven trumpets, three woes, and all the other symbols, including the seven seals. These pieces of the puzzle fit together perfectly to tell a horrifying, dramatic, hope-filled true story in which good triumphs over evil forever. Your order will also include a chart of the story flow of Revelation. This visual tool will help you understand the majesty of Revelation even better. All our literature is available free of charge, at no cost or obligation to you. Request our materials about the many powerful symbols of Revelation. Order now! For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. All our literature is available free of charge, at no cost or obligation to you. Request our materials about the many powerful symbols of Revelation. Order now! For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629.
If you would prefer to write, send your request to The Key of David, P.O. Box 3700, Edmond, Oklahoma 73083. If you would prefer to write, send your request to The Key of David, P.O. Box 3700, Edmond, Oklahoma 73083. The preceding program was a paid presentation of The Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.